Hello, everyone. So welcome back for another career and spirituality conversation. So I'm your host, Julie Pohn. I support spiritual seekers having a career experience into enjoying their professional and, and spiritual journey. And today I have the pleasure to share the space with James, James Moffat. Hi, James, how are you today? Hi, Julie. Yeah, I'm great. Just back from my holiday. So yeah. I don't know if I'm fresh and ready to go, but I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. So James, James, um, in one word, James is a storyteller and, and he's had, had a, a a very interesting career trajectory to get there. So I'm gonna let him talk to us about it. And, but actually James has offered to lead us into our, our grounding before we start the conversation. So I'm gonna leave the mic to you, James, to start us with a one minute, two minutes grounding before we start our, our journey together. Right. In which particular way would you like that? Uh, deep breathing or any way that you enjoy that, that you like to do that for your, when you're doing your own practice. Yeah, typically, yeah, I take deep breaths. Yeah. And then relax and try to empty my mind of everything that's going on around me. Okay. And and then focus on myself, my inner self, because that's where the answers are gonna come from. And ignore the surroundings because there can be an influence, both good and bad, yeah. but you want to really feel within yourself and the, the depth of who you are and reconnect with that because that is the connection to source. So shall we do a minute, a minute mm. of, of this? Mm, yeah, I, I will let you take the lead actually okay. in this. Okay, awesome. So with, with I, want, I want us to keep your words in mind then before doing this uh, minute of breathing. So let's close our eyes. And for a moment, just pressing our feet on the floor to feel the support from the earth. And then bring our attention back into, into our chest, into our heart. And imagining as if our breath is flowing in and out through our heart. and breathing a little bit deeper and slower than we usually do. And on each of our in-breath, following our breath inside of ourselves, connecting with ourselves, with the silence within ourselves, giving us the space to listen for a moment. As James 
wisely said, that's where the answers come from. Wonderful couple of breaths of inner silence. Before starting our conversation. So whenever everyone feels ready, we can open our eyes again. And welcome back. <laughs> Hello again. Hello. Oh, hello, thank you. Uh, thank you for your words, James. Sometimes I'm leading this uh, grounding with um, with a sense of um, openness towards the outside. And it's nice sometimes to change the perspective and bring it back, uh, you know, in a different way and reminding ourselves that of our connection and, and no knowing to be comfortable with the silence within ourselves so that connection so thank you and um so that gave gave us a little already a little insight into your you know your practice so that's actually going to be my my first question for you is what's your relationship to spirituality your connection to spirituality and after that we'll link that with your career trajectory so Feel free to intermix the two if that's, you know, if it comes about. But um, I'm curious about your spiritual journey first. Uh, I, I think during your life, you have different awakening times. And a lot of the time, the signs are there, but you don't actually see them or you don't recognize them. And as a child growing up, I felt there's definitely a connection somewhere with something and I didn't know what it was and I'd had a a mixed background with different religions within the family yeah. and from parents and being subjected to churches to synagogues to to having girlfriends that uh, were very deep into religion either born again Christians and so on and so I was very open-minded and I went along to churches. I went to synagogues. I, I listened to the religious education at school, but I was a critical thinker and a questioner. I questioned everything. And I think even as a child, I wanted to know the answers that nobody could give me. And I thought, how can there be so many religions and so many people believing in so many different things? Surely looking around, aren't we all the same? And, and, so searching for answers that people just dismissed, uh, you're just young, you're just adolescent, you're, you're just learning uh, and stop all these questions, just kind of get on with, with life and yeah, stop philosophizing kind of thing. And I, I found in the teenage or, or later years, like when you're at parties with friends and and maybe you have one drink too many and you're lying on the grass in the back garden, gazing up at the stars in a group, and, and then you start philosophizing again. Then you start asking the same questions and other people ask the same. And then the next day you either got a hangover and, and you just get on with life and forget about it. Yeah. But So that feeling has always been there really from 
childhood. But more recently, now that in, in the last few years, it has become more obvious and evident within myself because I, I've had dreams, very vivid dreams and enlightening dreams with messages within them as well. And when I've asked questions, then the answers have come within dreams. And but I've asked for that. I've asked for signs and 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 ways that I can be informed. And I was always kind of a dreamer or a daydreamer at school. And yeah, I, I just find that there's a magical consciousness that happens or subconsciousness that happens when you're dreaming and very unknown kind of reality that we uh, venture into when we're sleeping that uh, we don't really understand. And which is quite funny because I, I, I had a whole discussion on this on my show yeah. and we had a panel discussion on dreams, but I mean, that that's an, another thing, but so I, I think spirituality it's just an answer to your question has always been there from a childhood, but more uh, relevant now in the last few years than ever before. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, well, like a lot of us, like you were asking yourselves a lot of questions and at some stage realized that with the intention of having answers, somehow the answers are coming. Yeah. I would say that I can get most answers to everything now because I went beyond that. I went into shamanic healing as well and shamanic crystal work with a crystal pendant. And I learned how to do that. And, and that's another story within itself, how I picked my crystal mm-hmm. and, oh, should I say my crystal picked me? Yeah, uh, I've often heard that, that, yeah, the crystal chooses the uh the practitioner rather than the opposite yeah so with within that so within kind of shamanic work and also uh more inner kind of soul work then i i can find a lot of the answers and i don't think anybody knows all the answers to to everything but at least you can connect with something that that reassures you that we're on the right path yeah and so for you when when you are in a stage where you're seeking for guidance what are you relying on mostly to find the path is it your crystal work or is it something in your body what are the signs that maybe some people might you know relate to yeah i think crystal work is, is an aid, is a tool, basically. The, the answers we already have with inside is how to tap into those. And people do it in different ways. I find that using a crystal is just a reassurance that if I felt that something was not right, I mean, using kind of your gut feeling then uh, and, and common sense, then, then my crystal just confirmed the feeling I already had but in in saying that if there's a specific question I needed to ask then yeah I I could have confirmation by using the crystal Mm. because the crystal can never lie and 
you get you get the answers i mean it might not be the answer you want to hear but you get the answer yeah yeah and and then additionally to that yeah if there's something really bugging me and i wanted to know then typically it'd be manifested into a dream and sometimes i could prompt the dream and other times it, it just happened because uh it was that state of mind that i was in and yeah i would have it as a vivid dream but repetitive dream all night long because i was terrible in the morning i've completely forgotten forgotten i even had a dream so something had to be so repetitive within that oh. sleeping period otherwise i would forget and the, the messages were so strong that it wasn't for me to forget mm, yeah that's interesting the, the the topic of dreams as just is coming back now just a second time like you know the um uh my previous guest guest alex was talking about dreams in the context of, context of carl jung and how dreams can be analyzed but how after we had dreams then sometimes we might see things or animals or things outside in our environment that somehow relate to the dream and then so it's a way for life to tell us some things and we can follow signs that way and have like you said confirmations or or it prompts or uh reflection about ourselves yeah so i would say over the last few years i i've had some very meaningful dreams and i can remember them and the messages that were within the dreams but also i had signs that the next day i saw everything that i dreamt about basically wow. and you know which is a, a beautiful moment actually when that actually happens because it is a confirmation that you're connecting mm -hmm. With the right entities and, and and source yeah 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 it's like the universe has feedback so like we are inputting something and then and then we are seeing things outside of ourselves that either confirms or gives us some answers or yes i i love i love having um testimonies of this constant feedback loop that we we have between us and and the universe of the outside the outside world um so yeah that's that's interesting and so i also wanted to get back to talking about your career journey because now we know that you have a strong you know you've been working with crystals and and uh, you're having that strong spiritual connection. But where do you come from professionally? And how did you end up doing what you're doing now, basically? Yeah, great question. Yeah, as a kid growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I was practically minded and a logical thinker. And I, I liked hands-on things. Now, there was never really any guidance from school and I mean, sometimes you get from your parents, but they, they just look at, well, what would be a, a reasonable job to earn some money rather than that something that's really you. So at that time, yeah, I was mechanically minded. So I did mechanical engineering and then I, I moved into electrical engineering and telecommunications. And then that, my background was really field engineer 
working for a big telco company in the UK. And then I saw after many years of being in the field and then in the office and then looking after teams of engineers, then I moved into sales and then from sales into marketing and then and then basically left the UK and followed a yeah, which is a difficult thing at the time, but I felt that was part of my journey as well. And I went to live in the Netherlands and I worked for a software company and then had international travel and basically selling uh, telecommunications equipment for the big telcos. And that got me yeah, in, into a different kind of era in my life in the way that uh, I felt that there was a focus there. But I, I still, even though I was young, and I experienced endless travel, like weekly plane journeys around the world. Uh, after 20 years of that and many, many different companies and in senior roles, I decided it, it well, it wasn't really for me. I was already feeling that I wanted to do something different. And I was fed up with the travel. It, it, I, when you're young and single, it's great. But when I got married and got three small kids and it was the birth of my twins. Right? So this is seven years ago that I couldn't travel anymore. I didn't want to travel anymore. And there's a lot of pressure on if you're heading up sales and marketing, then you have to be out in the field and you have to support. And I didn't want that anymore, but I didn't know what I wanted. So basically I had the ultimatum of, Am I a houseman or am I a salesman? And obviously the houseman. So uh, my priorities were with the family. So that's when my career kind of came to an end. And I was completely lost, disillusioned, fed up, frustrated. And at an age that, what, what am I going to do? And I, I find that there's three fundamental questions that you ask in your life. One, as a child, what will I be when I grow up? And I had no idea. I mean, apart from saying like spaceman or whatever. Then uh, when you're in your kind of midlife, you ask again, what's it all about? Which I wrote a great blog about. I wrote, what's it all about? And in brackets, Alfie. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie with Michael Caine. Oh, yeah, it's great. Anyway. So what is life all about? I had no idea. I had no direction and I didn't know what I wanted. And I felt unemployed with three kids and really lost, completely lost. And then there's another time that you ask if you haven't found what it is that you're looking for is when you retire, you ask what's next. And I don't want to spend a whole life searching for something and I find that most people never really know who they are. I actually, statistically, 99% of the population never know who they are. And yeah, there's a difference between existing and living. And if you're lucky, you can exist, but most people are not really living. They're not living their purpose, meaningful life of the passions and the desires that they want. So, yeah, what I do now is, I mean, I haven't found myself. I, I then help others to find themselves. 
I also, on the business side, because I have a business background, uh, I help entrepreneurs, startups grow their business through sales and marketing techniques. And within that, within finding myself, I also find that particularly with children, I find storytelling, particularly bedtime storytelling, was something uh, of immense value and it helps solve loads of problems. So also with my daughter and her fear, completely got rid of her fear through bedtime stories. So storytelling is basically the umbrella of everything I do. Mm-hmm. So, and so I have a program called School Kit for Life and I, I can do it in groups for school kids so I can do it individually. And it's all about uh, the power of stories to, to solve emotional challenges. So, so now you've arrived at a stage where storytelling is mostly your main uh, way of uh, of communication and your your how you're working with people, whether it's children or in companies uh, supporting entrepreneurs. Is is that, yeah, is that yes? Right? Okay. Storytelling is basically the umbrella of everything. If you if you think about, I think we completely underestimate their value. Yeah. I mean, from the moment that we wake up in the morning to the time we go to bed and even when in our dreams it's stories stories make you feel good well it can also make you feel bad depending on the story but i mean in general we are all storytellers we all tell and share stories and if you can understand the value and, and how to articulate that value proposition through stories i mean then it, it's just magical mm. And I would love to backtrack a little bit because on your way to becoming a storyteller, there was that that place where, you know, finding yourself. Mm-hmm. And so how did you find yourself? Yeah, so as I said, I, I was made unemployed. So I, yeah, with unemployment, they, yeah, try to help you find a job. So they send you to different coaches for one thing or another. and. I had an appointment to to see a coach um, to speak English because she was originally from the UK. Mm-hmm. So helped me because living in Switzerland, I mean, in the German speaking part, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't so easy, right? Uh, and And particularly to express yourself, I mean, English is far better for me. So I went to this coach and I, with my CV in my hand, and I was thinking, right, we're going to do some looking at the CV and how I can improve it. Anyway, she said, she only asked me a few fundamental questions, but she was a business coach, but also a life coach. And she, she practiced something called Ikigai, which I had never heard of before. So, so she said to me, right. I don't see any problem with your CV. What's the problem? And I said, well, I'm not actually interested in the jobs that I'm applying for. And she said, the problem is, what I believe is you don't know who you are. And I thought, what sort of question is that? So I said, of course I do. She said, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm James. And she said, I I didn't ask that. She said, I know you're James. I've, I've got a form that says James is coming here to see me today, right? I know. She said, who are you? And I couldn't answer the question. So every time she asked, who are you? I said, the father of three children. And she said, no, I never asked your personal situation. I asked, who are you? 
who is James? So I couldn't answer. Every time I tried, uh, she said, no, 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 no. And she said, to, to spare your embarrassment, she said, you're not alone. 99% of the population don't know either if you ask them the same question. So they'll always reply back their name. And I never asked what their name was. I asked who they are. So with that in mind, she said that we can do a program and it'll be focused on understanding who you are and based on the philosophy of ikigai uh, which is a japanese way of life uh, iki meaning life and gai mean purpose okay. so we did that and then out of that uh, derived uh, more details about who i am the things i love the things i'm good at what i could offer the world and storytelling absolutely fundamentally came out as the the key attribute of who i am and and what i'm here for and when you when when you recognize that for yourself about the storytelling what was your reaction did, did it come across as something like a real discovery or was it uh oh yeah of course did could you see how maybe in your childhood or in your life that was always there but you couldn't see it what how was it okay. yeah I, I it's always been there and the, the beauty of ikigai is when you first go there and it's all about questions asking the right questions because you have the answers within you just don't know because nobody's asked you the right question so i had no idea i had no idea who i was and which direction i was going in or what i wanted out of life i knew the things i liked uh but yeah Th these always kind of seem to be philosophical kind of questions when people say what do you like I mean, it, and you want the practicality bit as well what am i going to do about it right and people can quickly jump at you well what are you going to do with your life well I, i don't know right so so when she asked the questions she asked focusing on all the things i love so st storytelling came out of that and the things that i believe i'm good at the storytelling but then the kind of the killer question was think back to when you were a child don't rush the answer did you tell stories when you were a child and i had to think kind of long and hard about it because i i couldn't remember and then kind of that light bulb moment and that aha like yes when i used to walk to school my buddies used to come around and pick me up at home and we we walk less 20 minutes to school and we were between the age of nine and 11 at the time and i would always like be the not just the kind of the the, the joker and stuff and, and and the guy that's trying to entertain the others but i was i used to tell stories i don't know why i don't even know how i started but i remember telling stories typically fantasy stories and my friends wanted to listen so in that 20 minute walk to school I just make up stories and and have them captivated for the whole journey and I used to deliver newspapers as a newspaper boy and my friends used to come with me not to help me deliver the papers but to ask for stories and then I'll tell them stories and but honestly I couldn't remember that I, I'd spent a lifetime like 40 years of forgetting all of this until that 
kind of magical moment when the Ikigai coach asked me, think back when you're a child. And, and that's really the turning point. That was when I thought, I mean, she even said that the making of who you are is up to the age of seven. You know who you are. You know your purpose. You know why you've come here because it's already there. Anything after that is an indoctrination and a brainwashing and everything to kind of forget who you are. And it was kind of that kind of recalling that moment of, of remembrance, really, of storytelling and how I enjoyed it, how it brought pleasure to others. And, and then, yeah, even as a salesperson, when I was selling products and things, I was never selling the features and functionality. I was wrapping it up into a story, right? Kind of typically the, the problem, the solution, the results. I mean, the start, the middle, and then the end. And people would remember the story. They wouldn't always remember their features and functionality, but they would remember the story. But then there's the art to telling the story as well. So, so that's kind of how it all began or how I remembered, because it was something that was always there. It's just once you start remembering and then you see the value of it, and then how to articulate that and how to put the pieces together, then there's something so magical that every day you can use it for everything. Yeah. So already, like I, I've heard you say that there are two main areas that you're using storytelling to help people. Like one is more of the businessy, entrepreneurial world and the other one with the children so can you talk to us about both yes so in, in the business world that i mean i also had a mentor as well and i learned particularly with startups how many startups fail and why are they failing and also how do they pitch when it comes to for investment okay. so I, I was trained on basically perfecting your pitch uh, by an industry veteran from the Shark Tank, a guy called Kevin Harrington, right? And don't ask me how much it cost me for that mentoring, but uh, anyway, a great guy and taught me a lot. And that also introduced me to creating my own radio show. Yeah. But we'll come on to that in a minute. So uh, he said that, for pitching when a startup pitches then you need the ingredients for that i mean his three parts or parts of the ingredients that he said they need to tease the audience please the audience and seize the audience mm. and i didn't like that i mean i loved it at the beginning because it taught me a lot uh but then once i started thinking about it and particularly when you have children you don't like the word tease. You're always telling them stop teasing. So I thought, I don't want to tease people. I, I want to connect with people, right? And then, so that it was tease and please. And I want to, yeah, please them, but it's all about communication. So I want to communicate something of immense value. Mm -hmm. And then I want to convert them to my desired outcome. So I called it my three C's. Yeah. So connect communicate convert to a desired outcome and 
it if you use these three for everything it, it works because it it made me think that a comedian if a comedian wants to have a, an audience to tell jokes then the, the comedian needs to first of all connect with the right audience that like that type of joke then communicate something which is the story or, or the joke and then he needs to convert to a desired outcome which is to make them laugh right so he needs to take them on that journey and then get the desired outcome in mind which is the laughing so and so he's converted converted them into laughing so it works in absolutely everything so if you think about a startup pitching he needs to connect to the audience which could be the investor right uh communicate something of immense value that has the investor like on the edge of his chair that wants to invest and then convert to the outcome you have in mind is the investor to invest so it applies to absolutely everything so then i created my own program on that so that was for the business world so in the storytelling do you want to tell us about your program for that yeah so basically I do a program both for the business world, which is all about, I mean, that's just one small part of it. I have my, yeah, I, I use acronyms a lot. So I have my three A's as well. Yeah. So I, before I can help with any business, I have to A, first A, assess. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like the doctor-patient analogy. You yeah. go to the doctor, the doctor can't help you unless he has asked questions. So he's kind of assessing. Yeah. So the first one's assess and then uh, adjust. So adjust what's working, what's not working, right? And then you can accelerate. So accelerate the business forward because you've made the adjustments. So, but within that are the three C's as well, because if you want to articulate your value proposition through stories, then you need to understand your desired outcome and how to obtain it. So, but that, it's the same principles for everything. It is common sense, basically. Yeah, and I'm, talking, I'm even thinking about people for uh, job interviews, like uh, yeah, like the, the a way to talk about to talk about ourselves that will, you know, uh, make us stand out. Yeah. So everything is about looking at the desired outcome. What do I want to achieve, and working back from that. So if it's a job interview, I, I want to at least get through to the next round, right? So how am I going to do that? So I need to then piece it up into chunks, right? So how do I start? How do I introduce myself? Or if I'm asked to, to tell a story or introduce me or, or my track record or history or education or employment or whatever, how do I start and without being boring? And then what's the middle bit to keep them engaged that they want to hear more, but also without rambling on too much that they want you to shut up. So, and then get your desired outcome in mind is get to a point that you're leaving them on, like you've hooked them. They want to know more. So don't give away too much either. You want them to ask questions. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that's for the like professional storytelling and now for the 
storytelling with children, which I think you're very passionate about. Yes. Uh, when my eldest son, he's 10 now, when he was younger and he, he could uh, have bedtime stories, so I don't know, four or five at the time, and I'd read bedtime stories with him, uh, typically Mr. Men books, right? I, you what? Mr. Men. You know the Mr. Men books? Mr. Men? No, I don't know. All right, you got like Mr. Strong, Mr. Small, Mr. Tall, Mr. Yes, sir. Yeah. Whatever. I used to pick them up at the airports when I traveled and they were great for bedtime stories. But I would change the words and just use the images for for a couple of reasons. First of all, I didn't like the stories always on how they, they read. And when it's dark at night and you've got the lights low, I couldn't read the text. So, right, I, I had to make it up anyway. So, but the making them up was more fun because it was your story then. But anyway, one day my eldest son, Tom, said to me, Daddy, uh, I would like stories about my adventures. And because he was fed up with the Mr. Men books, and although we did try other books as well, he said, and I said, well, what kind of adventures do you want? And he said, what about going to the moon? So, so anyway, long story short, uh, I thought, well, there's three components to a story. There's the start, middle and an end. So let's try and put a theme to it as well. So he has a fluffy rabbit called Dudu, right? And so I thought, what about, because I love the word marvelous, Right. Every, every, every time I traveled and people said, how are you? I would say marvelous. And particularly in the Netherlands, marvelous became a word that everybody used in the workplace because I would always say marvelous and then to repeat that back. And but so we called it the marvelous adventures of Tom and Dudu. And the, the, the first very first story was going to the moon. So I thought, how can we put it in a way that is educational, entertaining? And not too long, because it has to be a short bedtime story. And it actually gets the desired outcome I have in mind, which is him to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. not forgetting the, the right. goal. Yeah, so we had to kind of wrap all of this up into like 10, 15 minute stories. And then, then we thought, I thought at the time, for memorabilia, why don't I audio record them as well? So you can get these audio recorders for your phone. So I, so I downloaded the app and I recorded it. So we have, now we have hundreds, hundreds of audio recordings, right? And it, it's beautiful when you listen back and he hears them of him when he was like four or five years old in a story, because I then made storytelling for children interactive. And people say, well, what's interactive storytelling? I said, well, it's bi-directional and it's having the other person interact. Otherwise, I mean, I, I, I use kind of an example. Like when I was in my early days of sales, I wasn't telling stories. I was boring the pants off people, trying to get them to buy something, right? Which I'd learned that boring skill from this the senior sales guy, Right. And now I'm copying him. Right. And people think, oh, when's this guy going to shut up? And looking at their watches, think, oh, it's coffee break time now. So I thought, 
if you make it interactive, like everything interactive, storytelling's got to be interactive, then you keep the audience engaged. And if you, you just think back to the comedian, the comedian doesn't like just ramble on until he gets to the punchline. They're normally interacting with the audience. So if we can interact with our audience of whoever it is, then we know that they're still engaged, right? So there's an art to that. You can have the silent pauses. You can add NLP into that if you understand it. Even the fundamentals of NLP, then by open questions, closed questions, and so on. So then kind of blending what I'd learned about sales and entrepreneurialism into bedtime stories, and then seeing how that worked, and then what would be the outcome of that? And could I then, in the end, it, it was actually reverse engineering, what I learned from the doing the bedtime stories with the kids, I then used in the business world, right? And so I took parts from the business to kind of the bedroom, and then from the bedroom back into the business. From the and, bedroom to the boardroom. <laughs> yeah, from bedroom to boardroom. Actually, that could be a program, couldn't it? Yeah, well, it depends which be bedroom, though. We got to be careful with that. Yeah, I guess all this political correctness, you got to be careful what you say. So anyway, we started uh, the marvelous adventures of Tom and Dudu going to the moon. So we wanted to start it like every day it starts the same. So it would start off. I was taught about the hook. You need the hook to get people going. The headline, right? So you've got to think yourself like you're the editor in chief of a newspaper and what sells a newspaper is the headline and the story, mm -hmm. but you have to have both. So how do you hook them is with the headline, right? So the marvelous adventures of Tom Dudu going to the moon. So we start off like ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, the alarm went off, it was seven o'clock in the morning. And Tom said to Dudu, come on Dudu, it's time to get up. And Dudu said, why, what we're doing? And Tom said, we're going to the moon. And Dudu said, but how? How are we going to get there? And Tom said, we're going to build a rocket. And then anyway, so it starts off like that in the morning. And then they go down, have their breakfast. They get dressed. They brush their teeth. So there's a routine there. And then so that's the, the front bit. Then the middle bit is they're building the rocket and going to the moon. And then the last bit is to come back home and they share their story with their family. Then they get the pajamas on, brush the teeth and go to bed. Yeah, they're tired from, from a journey to the moon, right? Yeah, so we created our first book, which is here. Wow. Oh, it's awesome. Right, and, and in there, it's got all the illustrations of going to the moon, Tom and Doodoo. Yeah. Right, Tom and Doodoo going to the moon. I don't have the best camera today on my zoom and, and then in the end i mean yeah then they're going to bed yeah the... right. so so that that, that that was the first book we did uh quite a number of years ago now and then when we had the twins uh a boy and a girl then i i did it took it to a whole new level because i did the twins together so when you have two kids interacting, we create the most magical stories. And 
as I said, we audio record most of them because if I can't tell them a story because I'm busy, then they listen to the recording of a previous one and they you can hear them laughing in bed, right? But I always believe that if a child goes to bed with a smile on their face and something memorable and fun, then they don't have nightmares or bad dreams or they're, they're relaxed, they want to go to bed. And, and the desired outcome, as I said, that I had in mind is to get them to go to sleep, right? So in the end, they even, because it's interactive, I'm asking them like in the story, like to, to talk and, and share so I can steer it. So they're interacting. So the story is as much theirs as it is mine. And I'm more the guide and it's their story. And yeah, it is, it's beautiful. So, so I, I do that with kids, with parents, also teach parents the art of interactive bedtime storytelling. And I tell you, it transforms kids and their parents. The, the, the bond now that you have with your kids is absolutely inseparable through the power of stories. And you were telling me that there is like nearly also a therapeutic aspect that, you know, you had an experience of helping your daughter. with. Oh, yes. As well. so, so my daughter, when she was around five, she had a, a fear of everything. She wouldn't go outside the house. Uh, it was a challenge to get her to, to make friends and do anything. Uh, she wouldn't do any sports or activities and she's basically a recluse and introvert and so I thought Let, let's try something out let's just try storytelling but rather than looking at her with the, the problem we'll introduce that they used to have lots of stories going to the farm yeah. and they loved the farm because they they got to know all the animals and then we thought well Let's name the animals. So they had names for the animals. So, so at the farm, the ringleader was Charlie, Charlie the donkey. And he was a special character, but he became my daughter, Abby's best friend. Right? And if they went on other adventures, then she'd want Charlie to come with her. Right. And Sam, her twin brother, he would pick Gorilla because he likes monkeys and things. So he'd pick gorilla and, and they knew the animals, the difference between the animals at the farm and at the zoo and stuff way before the other kids uh, at the kindergarten here, well, at the Kita, which is like the nursery school, uh, because we, we educate them through stories and then they'd correct each other. If the animal, they say, which ones were at the farm? And then they would correct and say, no, no, gorilla's not the farms at the zoo. And, it was so funny. But anyway, to the point. So I, th I thought, let's just try something. So I said to Sam and Abby, I said, right, the next adventure, we're going on a roller coaster ride and you're allowed to take a friend with you. Mm -hmm. So Sam quickly says, I'm taking Gorilla, right? And I'm going to sit on the back seat. So I thought that's sorted. And I said, Abby, who do you want to take? And she said, Charlie, right? And I thought, well, let's play on this. So I said, Charlie doesn't really want to go, does he? He's scared. And she said, no, he's scared. And then I fed her kind of the fear that Charlie would have. And then I said that 
Charlie would like to go on the, the the front seat, the front row. Will you go in the front seat with Charlie? And he said, yeah. And I said, can you tell Charlie that everything will be okay? It's just a short ride. So she said, Charlie, everything's going to be okay. It's a short ride. And then I said, tell him that. Uh, you can hear the kids in the background here, right? Uh, I said, tell him that it'll, it'll be over shortly and uh, that you'll hold his hand. So she said, Charlie, I'm going to hold your hand. And so she reassured Charlie all the way through before it started. And then we started the adventure of the roller coaster ride. And, and then it was climbing up the steep bit and it was getting to the top, ready to come down. And then we're describing how it's going to be and everything. And I was saying, tell Charlie it's going to be okay. You're holding his hand. And, and anyway, after the roller coaster ride, she was completely cured. Wow. She had no fear. And she's an extrovert now. And she is the most fearless girl ever. Wow. I mean, we've just come back from holiday and she she does horse ride and she does uh, rock climbing. She does, I mean, great swimmer. She, everything. Whereas the other two are fear of some things that they don't do. And she does it all. And she says, Daddy, why don't you tell Sam about the story? And maybe you can get, he can overcome his fear. She said, because it worked for me, right? She even but, has that, that distance that she understands that, that it got her over her own. Yeah, she knows the power of the story. And she wow. knows, she keeps telling me, you've got to tell Sam the story and you'll not have the fear of something, whatever. And... It was so magical because she is completely transformed. And that's all through the power of stories. So that is something that you can do for all sorts of emotions and challenges. But if you do it in a friendly sort of easygoing way, I mean, I, I did at some schools and we started off, what is storytelling? And then what are the components of a story? And then who tells a story? How would you tell a story? So we didn't touch on anything that was going to cause them any problems. And then asking, everything is about asking questions. What's the story? Right? And then they tell you. Actually, they have the answers. All you're doing, like, like as in the Ikigai coach, is asking the right questions. So you're asking the question so that they come up with their story. Well, they come up with the answers as well, because in the classroom, I mean, I, I did it with kids of the age of, in an international school with kids between the age of 10 and 14. Of, there were 72 different nationalities at the school. So, and in a mixed group, I just got everyone to sit in a circle and I just asked them, right, who has... Who tells stories? And only like three put their hand up out of 24. And I said, actually, you all tell stories. I said, in in, in the break time, when you're talking to each other, you, you're sharing stories. What did I see on TV? And, and what happened last night? And you talk about your family. When you meet someone for the first time, you're asking them questions and it's a story. So once they understand that, then they open up and they're excited about wanting to contribute. And then, then you ask them for the answers. Like, like, I mean, you could take it to the next level. You could address fear. 
what is fear? I, I could say what my fear is, but it doesn't mean we all have the same fear. So then when you ask them, say, what is fear? And then get them to answer. Then once one starts answering, others want to join in. And they said, who has that fear? Has anyone got a fear of heights? And then you explain that. Right? Yeah. I, actually, I thought I had a fear of heights, but it was actually a fear of falling. Ah, interesting. There was a difference because I'm okay in an aeroplane because yeah. I feel relatively safe. But if I'm on a, a, a swing bridge or, or, or on a rope bridge crossing between two mountains or something, yeah, I wouldn't story. be particularly yeah. feel safe. So it was the fear of falling. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to talk to, to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah. So, so you know, you, you've developed something, a program or something specific for, for schools or for children? Yes. So I have a program called School Kit for Life. Yeah. and it's all about storytelling and but also identifying either trapped emotions emotional challenges and even if you just want to learn the art of storytelling because everybody tells stories but some are good at telling stories and some less so so once you understand how you tell a story then you can articulate the value of that story in a far better way I mean, and then it can be used for everything. It could be used, like as we mentioned earlier, job interviews, pitching a product, getting investment, whatever. Just communication, even day-to-day -day communication with our loved ones. I mean, it, exactly that. Also, like when you're falling out with a partner, what's the desired outcome you want to have in mind to kind of rectify the situation? So, a story. Um, I, actually, funny you should say that. My wife wanted to go away for a weekend with her old colleagues that she used to share with when she was a student in an apartment. So if she just come to me and said, like, you're going to, I'm going away for the weekend, you're looking after the three kids, I would say, okay, no bloody way, right? But she, she did it without even thinking. Yeah. But so we do it naturally. But if we understand how we do it, then we can get the value across much better. So she she had to connect. So using my three C, she had to connect with the right person, me. She's not going to tell the neighbor, right? So she had to connect with me. Then she had to communicate something of immense value that, and then drag it out, show me right, the emotional side as well. Like, oh, yeah, remember the, the, the girls I used to share apartment with all those years ago and the, the wonderful times and memories and... And then, like, and then make me feel guilty that, oh, yeah, she needs to see them. And then, so that's the communication bit. And then the convert is to her desired outcome, which was me to say, oh, yes, yeah, I'm happy to look after the kids and go, which she did. And, I, and then as a bonus, I was saying, then how much money do you want for going? <laughs> right. So there is a way that you can do things yeah. Uh, if you think about it, you know, it, it's all common sense and logic. I mean, there's no secrets to it. It's just about putting it in a way that you'd naturally do. Just think about doing it before you actually open your mouth. Yeah. 
So James, because we, we are nearly, you know, we're coming towards the end of our uh, session. Uh, is there one question that I haven't asked you that you would love to answer? Yeah, so with the storytelling, I, I, I mentioned like with Kevin Harrington as my mentor, he suggested the radio, yeah. right? Because I was looking at the other entrepreneurs and I was thinking, we're all struggling to grow our respective businesses. And, and the biggest challenge that we face is visibility. And then once we've got visibility is then how to make an impact with it. So I thought, well, everybody's using visibility and impact. Right. So I looked up visibilityimpact.com and it didn't exist. So I thought, how can it not exist? Right. So I registered it. Right? And then I thought, well, how can I help others create that visibility? So I speak with Kevin Harrington. He said, why not the radio? I thought, the radio? How can I do something with the radio? I don't know anything about the radio. So anyway, in Switzerland, there is... Uh, World Radio Switzerland, WRS, out of Geneva, and it's in English. So I contacted the, the director and I said, I wanted to run a program that would be kind of a podcast uh, and to showcase a different business each week. So anyway, long story short, we did that for six months, although it cost me a fortune, right? Because it's a commercial radio and you could only have five minutes airtime although that five minutes was put out five times a week at different times. I mean, it was good and it worked, but it wasn't personal. And I wanted something that you, you could talk to people and, and there wasn't really a time limit per se. And so after six months of doing that, then I created my own podcast and I called it Featured Business because it's about featuring a business. So... I've now been doing that for three years or so. And yeah, I've had 134 guests uh, is once a week, typically every Friday. And the more diverse guests, the better. And normally kind of the airtime like this, it, it's an hour and a half. So it's like an hour of the recording, but there's some preamble and some chit chat before we get going. And it can have an audience if if the guest wants an audience. If not, it's recorded and put on YouTube and the audio is on Spotify. And everyone's welcome to be a guest. Uh, just have to contact me. And I, actually, Julia, I'd love you to be a guest because I want to hear your story. Yeah, well, I'd love to be a guest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a yes. <laughs> it's a yes from me. <laughs> Excellent. It sounds like the Eurovision. Right? Uh -huh. Oh, no, that's an X factor, wasn't it? It was a yes oh, from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a yes from me, for sure. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, James. Yeah, I appreciate the invitation. But anyway, you're opening this is an open invitation for anyone who has, like, who would want to, you know, to, to contact you to be on the show? Someone who yeah. has just an yeah. interesting story or business to promote or what's... Yeah, what typically, typically it started off with kind of business owners and startups. So young startups typically they were in Switzerland because I'm based here. So out of the universities that they'd created a startup. So they just formed as a team. So there'd be one person, typically the, the founder. Mm -hmm. 
that that would come on and talk about either sustainability or, or their product or services or, or whatever it was. And then also business owners that wanted more visibility. Uh, but then I owned it up to anyone in the world. So I've had guests from all over the world talking about all sorts of different things, actually the most diverse things that you can imagine. But I don't mind. I'm very open-minded and I'm interested in stories. So I take people on a journey, basically, from their childhood to where they are now. And I find that is a bit that's usually missing because when someone talks about their business, it's about their products or services. But I want to know, how did they get there? What was their story? What was their childhood like? Was there any turning points in their life? Were they in the corporate world and decided that's not for them? Or did they never go to the corporate world? Or whatever but that comes out that is the magic of this because you really touch on emotions and you touch on turning points and i mean some maybe even some tragic heartbreaking stories but people also have a desire to to want to share these stories and it is typically not what you would ask in in the business world you ask about their products and services but when you understand the person more, you feel that bond and that connection with them. And it's just beautiful. So we do that. So it's basically every, open to anybody and not corporate companies. That's not really the audience, unless it's a key public speaker that could be used as an, as a, an inspiration for others. But typically the sole proprietor business owners or or startups or people who just got interesting stories so also i mean as an example i've had people talk about that the healing properties of microdosing with mushrooms that there's very we do it for three fundamental reasons it's it's to inspire others to educate because some of these things are so educational right and then the most important is to bring hope because we're living in a world of scaremongering and fear and people are are giving up are actually giving up mentally and becoming suicidal and if we can inspire people and and bring them hope then this is the purpose and this is why we do it and yeah so as i said people are welcome to be a guest and i I can share all the the links and everything i will make sure that everything is available and people just need you know uh, anywhere like just clicking and with your contacts so they can get in touch Mm -hmm. to talk about getting on your show yes yeah absolutely and anything else that you want people to know about yeah i just think that when we talk about spirituality and and life and what's it all about and it's a challenge to actually know and we're always digging deep within ourselves to or searching externally and there is a book i'm currently writing although i'm where 10 12 i think it is 12 of the previous guests uh, are going to be in our first edition book all of our stories are going to be shared. So that should be coming out later in the year. 
right? So that'd be magical. Co-authoring, so you're yeah. co-authoring with yeah. your guests. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So you're putting the stories from the podcast into yes. the book. Okay, yeah. oh, that's exciting. Yeah, so it'd be in a physical book, an audio book, and an e-book. Yeah. yeah. So, it like, do, like well, estimated time of uh, publication, do we know? Well, we hope for, for Christmas period. Uh, everybody's written their five to six thousand words and we're just going through the reviews and then we are doing the, the titles the packaging the branding the marketing and all that coming next so maybe you're coming back on uh you're coming back here to talk about it before, yeah you know just before it comes out yeah that'd be good i mean so it's magical stories and actually writing yeah writing stories and actually sharing we we found over the last year of of doing this collectively uh we've created this bond also with each other and these like 12 people that don't know each other they've just been guests and but also the stories that they're sharing are very very personal and deep and it's kind of a self-help group as well because we've noticed this as we're reviewing each other's and yeah it it's become kind of a an emotional roller coaster ride for for all of us but magical yeah and yeah, yeah. a personal development uh, program wrapped up under the disguise of a of a book public publication yeah it, it really is i mean you need more of that so i've got another book i'm I'm busy writing as well. It's called The Universe Within Your Mind. Oh. And because there is a universe in there and so much to explore. And it's about going to the different levels of consciousness and also touch on dreams, what dreams mean, the messages within dreams and how to connect also with source and many other things so yeah th that one will be a magical book uh, do you have an eta do we have an eta for this one no because i i'm trying to finish off the other one first okay. if if money wasn't a problem i would just write books write stories like and listen to stories i mean i do my my podcast is is great fun because you meet the most magical people i mean really special beautiful people and when they share their story quite openly with a complete stranger then there's a trust as well that has to come into that yeah well again i agree with you i certainly agree with you yes such a such a journey to to open up a space for other people to share. And then the learning that I got, I only have a fraction of the number of guests on my, you know, on this conversation that you've had. And already the, the learning uh, is fantastic. Fantastic. So it, it is. I mean, I feel that this is who we are when we can connect and talk like this. We don't need the materialistic things and, and the TVs and, and all the, the lies and propaganda. We just need 
to reconnect with who we really are. And we're, we're people that, that, that want that communication with each other. We, we want to feel that we belong also, and we're not the odd one out. And I, I think it's too easy to, to be pushed to one side and seen as the, the odd one because you're not conforming to certain things. And, but I, I find now it's the other way around. I think they're the odd ones out and at least I'm doing the things that I want to do and the reasons for doing them. And I don't care if I have no followers. I mean, as long as I believe in myself. So on these words, James, I'm going to put the name of your show on this video so everyone can go and, and check out these uh, magical magical uh, connections um, with people. And so to everyone, thank you for listening. And just know that if you feel compelled to share your story, you're more than welcome. Uh, to reach out to James to do that. So reach out. So James, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you. And uh, and on these words, I'm going to say goodbye and uh, see you all for another conversation next week. Love you. Thank you, Julie.